Welcome to the Cycling Central Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger, filling in for the poorly Philip Gomes, uh, who has taken a a well-deserved sick break after driving himself into the ground, unfortunately. And joining me are Dr. Kath Bicknell and Anthony Tan. Good to, good to see you guys. Um, who enjoyed the stage last night? I had, a, I had a great time watching Froome win and take the yellow jersey. Anthony? What? Well, it's yeah, it has been a bit of a... I won't say a yawn fest. That's a bit disrespectful. But we were waiting for a stage like this last night. It was You were right, Jamie. I should issue a mea culpa and say that I thought Van Avermaet could hold on. But it seemed that he was hoping a break would go before the Tourmalet. And if that happened, then they would ride steadily up the tourmaline but they they didn't they just went crazy all, all day and uh, it it proved a, a very very difficult day in the saddle not to me i know we're going to talk about tonight but tonight they say is the hardest stage of the tour according to the tour organizers but i don't think anyone expected Froome to do what he did i last think night. to a certain extent Froome wasn't expecting Froome to do what he did either but he saw the moment and he went and it was great bike racing because of it yeah i mean that style that was basically i think we first saw it from a i think a slovenian guy mahoric uh pedaling on the top tube at the under 23 worlds uh and now it seems to be i've seen nathan haas do it um now we've got chris Froome. that's the longest time i've seen anyone do it and also on a descent off a coal I don't think I've seen that before so I I also pose that um you know I did say is this the anti-Froome tour because they're they're having these quite gnarly descents but really Froome showed off how good he is not just on the uphill He, he, he he said that he couldn't really drop anyone on the uphill so he thought he'd have a go on the descent well, yes, he really surprised people, I think, with his attack over the top of the climb. Um, even even the commentators, Phil and Paul, said, oh, yes, he's gone off the front for the mountain points. And then he just kept on going. And and Quintana was taking a water bottle behind it and had to throw it out um, haphazardly, you know, as once he realised that um, Froome had gone. So, yeah, I mean, he caught everyone's by surprise. Uh, Kath, you did, a, you did a piece this morning on Cycling Central, um, Froome's Descending Destroys the Internet or, or some such. I did. I buzzfeeded. <laughs> which is something I never thought I'd do, but the reactions around the internet, like in social media, were huge. And it was really exciting because I think it's the racing side of these events is really important, but they also need to entertain. And this was a moment that entertained on a really huge level with people just, you know, comparisons of he looks like a frog on a skateboard. He's he's going downhill faster than the British pound. Like it was just bringing everyone out. Um, there was artwork. There was computer animations of Froome going around by morning. It was an exciting moment in the tour. And it's something that Froome has been accused of not doing in the past, entertaining and being a bit bit of a robot. And there's there's often talk on Twitter of the Sky Robot train. And um, a few days ago, Tol- Troll DJ did um, the Darth Vader theme to set to the Sky um, Sky pictures. So they've they've got that reputation, but Froome turned that on its head last night. He did. And he enjoyed it too. Like he said, it felt like being a kid again and, you know, just out there racing. And it was nice to see him relaxed and enjoying it as well. Cause it was a risky move, you know, in the, in the, in the bigger picture, he could have had a crash. Like it could have been a marginal gain for quite a big loss, but he enjoyed it and it showed his skill and it showed the homework he's been doing as well between the tours. Yeah. I think that was the big point, Kath, that, uh, 
these guys have reconned every single. You you just don't take those. You can say taking a risk, but I think it was a very, even though it was a, a spur of the moment decision, it was a calculated risk in that the, these guys have done these climbs and descents that many times. You know, you hear teams. Oh, I think OG um, Adam Yates has said that they reconned about half the parkour. Sky have done the whole thing. It's it's quite clear for, uh, for me to see that. Mm. 23 seconds in the end he took on the stage. I mean, in terms of a tour, how, how decisive will that be come the end? Oh, well, we saw, you know, I'm not saying what happened to, say, Van Avermaet losing over 15 minutes could happen to any one of these guys. They seem quite evenly matched. That's why Froome is taking these risks, if you like. Uh, you, you might, yeah, it could have gone the marginal um, gain could have been a massive pain had he fallen but I just felt that um, he seems that he needs to do this and uh, we saw that if you took out the stage last year where Froome uh, sorry Froome gained about a minute 28 seconds off Quintana and then Quintana lost the tour by a minute and uh, 16 seconds or something like that uh you know, if you take that out, then Quintana would have won last year's tour by about 16 seconds. So I guess what I'm saying is that it's it's so close after 3,500 kilometres. So it uh, for me, it, it made sense for, for Froome to do what he did because he's he's concerned about Quintana. And we've seen in, in other tours too, like in the final few days, it's been seven seconds in it in the GC. And I think you can't can't wait till those final few days to make your move. Yes, yeah. We we don't know, Jamie, as well. I mean, we haven't had a bona fide mountaintop finish. We've had a summit finish, but we haven't had a finish atop a really big coal yet. And that will come tonight atop Andorra Arcale. And uh, I think then I still don't feel like I've established a clear picture, a, a hierarchy as to who's going to win the tour. Yeah, well, we'll get to previewing that stage a bit later Tony I know you're keen um <laughs> <laughs> okay what else happened in last night's stage we saw Thibaut Pino, Raphael Micah and Tony Martin go on the attack once it once the race reached the Col du Tourmalet it was it was the it was it was really neutralized up until that point by the high speed going in and as you were saying Tony um, Greg Van Avermaet hoped to hope to last up and you know last up until that point and then you know be able to uh, manage to keep on but once Thibaut Pino went in the break, you've got to chase that down, don't you? Even though he's looking pretty average and he ended up losing over 16 minutes on the stage, you can't let a guy who's come third on GC take time. No, and then you had also Micah go with him. Uh, I mean, all, all these moves, you might say, well, these guys are quite some way down, but then, you know, Nibali's shown at the Giro how he can turn... Uh, what seems like a losing situation into a winning one. I mean, the other thing that happened too is Michael surprised himself at the end of the stage by winning the, the KOM, the polka dot jersey. Um, meanwhile, Contador went further further backwards and that's kind of making us wonder here is you know, this is a man who's still been able to climb with a broken leg and we don't know the extent of his injuries at the moment, but are they worse than you know what he's been letting on? Well, yeah, yeah well, so I think we should probably get into the mindset of that, um, Kath. I mean, you, you've you've got injuries of yourself, um, of your own at the moment. Um, how do you 
how, how do you just put that all behind you and, and say, yes, I've got a race and yeah, it will be hard, but I've, I've got to just stick in there. Oh, well, Contador is an amazing example of that. Like you'll see at the end of the stage, if something like when, when things haven't gone well for Richie Port, he just gives such an honest response that shares the downs and it shares the motivation. But Contador never lets you know he's like he, he acknowledges he's struggling, but he's always talking methodically in the future. This is what I can do. I've been through hard things before. And he turns hardship into a challenge. He doesn't dwell on what's hard. And I think that's what makes him such a scary competitor. You know, he's been there and he... He always looks forward and takes those methodical steps. So, Do you think he'd be telling his teammates the extent of his injuries? If he had, a say, a fracture, I know a lot of riders don't. Do you think Contador is the type of personality who would reveal that uh, to his teammates? I'd like to think that because these, you know, any individual win in the Tour is such a team effort, I'd like to think that his team were aware of what was happening but they choose not to broadcast it, you know, more broadly until they, they know what cards they want to play. It's interesting the dynamic between Contador and Roman Kreutziger at the moment because Kreutziger isn't staying back with Contador when he slips when he slips down. He's riding for himself and, you know, maybe maybe he's the leader, the GC leader nowadays and they'll say, okay, Contador, you can, you know, maybe second, third week, if you're feeling better, you can have a crack at some stage wins. Yeah, or, you know, maybe... It'd be interesting to see what happens on the rest day, I think, when those guys have time to kind of take stock and look at what's happening and, and, and look at what happens tonight on the climb and, and what the time gaps are after that as well. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I ask you that, Kath, is because I remember interviewing uh, Cadell Evans at the 2010 Tour de France. He actually decided not to tell his teammates he had fractured his elbow. If you remember, he took the uh, yellow jersey, then he... Uh, on the day, he took the yellow jersey on the day he crashed, actually, and then he found out on the rest day, yes, he had um, fractured his uh, bone in his elbow, and then, you know, he would go on, and I think uh, there was that moment where he sort of embraced his teammate, I think, Sant'Ambrogio. I probably should mention him because he's being done for EPO, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's, he, he decided not to inform his teammates and I think it's probably better in that inner circle I think it's perhaps better to be honest um, because maybe there's a there's a situation where um, you know all all the resources shouldn't be invested in in the leader if there's a chance for someone else to go for a stage win I think I think maybe that's the flip side too and it really depends on individuals and team cultures but the, to look at, at reasons why you wouldn't share it, it could be because your team puts so much faith in you and you don't want them second-guessing some of those instincts and reactions out there until you know for certain that you can't perform. Mm. And just staying motivated as well. I mean, that's obviously a massive part of any sporting endeavour. I mean, mm. keeping that um, level of motivation up. Okay, well, we'll move on to stage nine now, which is from Vilea, Val de Aran, to Andorra Arcale. Tani, you Très great. bon, très bon, vous parlez très bon. Well, it's Spanish, isn't it? Not not French. So. Oh, well, yes. That's <laughs> See, this is confusing. We started the tour where... Um, I don't think we started the tour in France, did we? I should say muy bien. Yeah, we did start the tour in France. Le Manche. Le Manche. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused because we're having so many starts outside of 
Grand Tours not in the uh, not in the country of that Grand Tour. Well, speaking of not being in the country, we're starting this stage in Spain. And we're not in we're not in France. we're we're not in the country. See, either, so that's so. I should just say good on you, mate. <laughs> anyway, we're going from Spain to Andorra on tonight's stage, and it's 184 kilometres. Uh, and it contains five categorised climbs, three Cat 1s, one Cat 2, and the final horse category climb to Andorra Arcale, which is 10.1 kilometres at 7.2%, and it finishes at a whopping 2,240 metres above sea level. Wow. So, yeah, one for the mountain goats today, definitely. And, you know, who's going to... Tanny, who's going to be the guy that that favours most, the high altitude and the big climbs? I'm almost starting to lose my breath when you just said two th- over 2,240 metres because it's it's actually one of the highest finishes, summit finishes in tour history. They have come here before. In fact, the tour first came to this region in 1964, but it wasn't until 93 that um, you had a, a finish in Arcole. And, uh, and in fact... I first visited the tour in 97 when it finished there as well and Jan Auric actually took the yellow jersey um, in Arcole and then held it to, to Paris. Uh, so I've actually ridden the climate. It's, it's extremely difficult, uh, not just the altitude. It's, it's not so much the length because it's only 10, 10.1 kilometres. It's also what they've done proceeding to that and I think that's why... Thierry Gouverneau, the the course designer, has has he he believes it's the hardest stage of of the tour. Um, mm-hmm. I, I sort of beg to differ because I, I think um, that third week uh, is is going to be extremely difficult. And then when you think about what they've done prior to that, it, those stages could also be as hard. Well, yeah, the difference between that, that I suppose, is the altitude. Um... And we've seen Alejandro Valverde, for instance, struggle at altitude during the Giro. Arguably, he might have won the Giro if he if he didn't struggle in those stages. Um, Kath, I mean, what what different physiology I mean is required for those sort of efforts? Oh gosh, I've got no idea. <laughs> I think I'm like Tani. I just feel short breath thinking about it. Mm. Um, but I it's, think it's you someone... need Quintana's physiology. Born, born at altitude, is that is that the secret? Yeah, or, you know, what someone's training been throughout the year and what's their load been and, and how have they coped <clears throat> with the first few days of the tour? You know, how's recovery looking? What Who's been holding back? Who's been digging deep? Mm. Um, to, I, to that extent, does it matter that Froome um, expended a bit of energy yesterday attacking? Well, he was wondering about it too. So I think he's a pretty calculated person. Um, I think he he he's smart enough to know he can still do that and and hopefully back up but he might not quite have that edge that he'd be looking for if he was fresher yeah i would say that wouldn't have cost him anything jamie because i mean these guys the the training regimes that he and richie port do in their bases in monaco it sounds what they do in training sounds crazier than some of these stages in the tour and they they pref- they hurt themselves that badly, so when it comes to doing the tour, it it isn't so bad, uh, or they can at least cope with it. Uh, I think w- what's important to take into account is that you know the guy who he's you know likely greatest nemesis uh, Nyaro Quintana, you know out of the first six months of the year, he spent three months at altitude, so I don't think he'll have an issue. 
I think everyone's going to be watching Quintana. I think we kind of want to see him break away and we want to see that no one can hold him back because yeah. it'd just be great. It'd be great to see him get the victory. Well, yeah, certainly the first summit finish of a tour is always a big issue uh, or a big talking point about who's, you know, who's establishing that early pecking order. Um, how do we see the stage playing out? Because it's got some interesting terrain. It's got, it starts off with a big climb, so we could see a big break go of strong climbers or it could be, you know, full gas from the start for the GC teams. So how do we, how do we see this one playing out, Tony? Uh, well, I think, yeah, I mean, I keep saying it, you, you will see the race within a race. I think, though, part of that breakaway, if there is one, a lot of the GC teams will try and slot one of their mountain domestics in there. So if, say, Faroom Quintana, um, Port Van Garda, and one of those guys struggle, there is one guy there. And if, um, I've noticed Richie Port said if he finds that Froome or Quintana are isolated, then he and Van Garden will try and do something. Something So that leads me to think that it's very important to have someone in that early break. It's always important on these mountain stages because you never know what might happen. I mean, we saw that Mulvey star last year isolated Sky three days before the, the finish. So um, as strong as Sky have been, I think, this team that Sky brought, though, this year, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, and we've seen that so far. Sergio Hanel, in particular, last night was amazing. He looked really good, and the only reason he wasn't um, finishing higher up was because he punctured on the final on the final descent and rolled in with a flat tyre. So, yeah, um, the Sky train is in full force. Is there a way to beat it, Kath? Oh, attack. <laughs> Be methodical. <laughs> Watch out. Have your own plan too. Like you don't want to see the teams so worried about Sky they don't execute their own strategy because they're just too busy waiting for Sky to do something. I think that's where someone could lose the tour as well. And who's caught your eye from the climbing stakes and might have a shot at the victory here? Uh, I guess for me I, I tend to – I just sort of more like watching it unfold. I don't get so much into the predictions but I just like to sort of – sit back and soak it up and and I think we said in the the Giro podcast I love when you just see it all go out on the line and see that good honest climbing where people pop and people explode and team tactics start to mean nothing because no one can hold on yeah I think you'll get a lot of explosions tonight how you can be assured of that (laughs) of the explosion yeah I I think you're right though Um, don't let Sky um, threaten what the other teams plan to do because it's quite easy to feel threatened by their presence i mean that's hence that's why they ride at the front it's almost to defeat you before you've even had a thought about attacking and uh um one guy i think you mentioned jamie was lander i thought he would be the most important cog in Froome's quest for a third overall victory but he's sort of fallen short so far um, this year, but like you said, you know the other guys. They've got guys like Hanau and Walt Poles. He he, he was a little bit uh, substandard, I felt last night. But you know, again, they 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 kind of uh, they, they they kind of ride. So if one of them isn't feeling good one day, they say, okay, you have a break, but but you'll be on the front tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mean that's worked for them in the past, and no reason it shouldn't work for them in the future. Anyway, so it's time to wrap up the podcast and make sure you tune in tonight from 8.30, special early time, 
and it will be a, a shorter run in than normal actually before we get into the racing action so make sure you tune in early to catch that it's on SBS HD or you can tune in via the Skoda Tour Tracker app or via the streaming online so hope to see you there